0: I'm Siri Linley, two-time world champion, author, speaker, animal activist, survivor, and thriver. I have found a way to overcome every challenge and to take the impossible and make it possible. On my podcast, we're going to talk real life. We're going to get vulnerable. We're going to go first. You're not alone in your fears, your doubts, or your worries. The most successful people in the world have them. Stick with me on this journey. I will help you harness your power, claim your magic, and create the life that you dream of. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bedhead Chronicles. I am so excited for our special guest today, Ray Higdon. He is a two times best selling author, he is a coach, a speaker, a philanthropist, and together with his wife, Jessica, they travel around the world. Teaching small business owners how to increase their leads and sales. And in the last three years, I believe and Ray, you may have to uh, set me straight on this something like 30, 300, 300,000 leads you help these business owners generate. And your company is in the Inc. 5000 as one of the fastest-growing companies in the world so ray higdon and most importantly because you all know me most importantly i love this guy (laughs) oh this guy is amazing so ray welcome i'm so happy that you took the time to be here with us today
1: i'm i'm happy to be here um the only tiny little tweak is we've helped uh, small business owners generate 300,000 new customers. So not just leads. Um, oh, but yeah, other than that, it was amazing. It was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> well,
0: That's incredible. And how obviously, I mean, customers, listen to this, you guys, 300,000 new customers. So if you run a small business, you need this man and how fun Ray, that you get to do this with your wife.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, we've been doing this together since, I mean, really 2010, I would say. And and we each have our own little pockets of interest, too. Like, for example, she just recently, just last week, she got her uh, realtor license, which I used to do real estate. Now she's gung ho on real estate. So that's going to be her, uh, one of her projects. that's more her. I'll obviously support her in any way I can. Um, but, um, but yeah, we have our own interests as well. It's pretty, it's been a really amazing relationship.
0: Yeah. It sounds like you both really inspire each other to do more, be more. And that's just incredible. And talking about real estate, yeah. um, knowing your story, tell us a little bit about 2008 and what happened there that literally in the pain of it all Um, led to this amazing career that you've had in the work you're doing in the world now?
1: Yeah, so I was in real estate uh, here in the state of Florida. And uh, so from, you know, 2005, I left the corporate world. And, you know, I had I had so many, you know, I'll go back just for a brief second, because there was a moment in my life that that really created a lot of different decisions for me. So when I was in high school, um, very shortly here, but uh, when I was in high school, you know, I my senior superlative was party animal, and and I held true to that because I didn't finish high school on time. A lot of drugs, a lot of bad things. Um, didn't see mom for the you know for a while, and um, when I got out of that, I just became. I just got into work and I started work, 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 and there was a there was a guy that really influenced me that helped my decision to get into real estate actually uh, inadvertently. And so I was 18 years old. I'm working at Windexy, you know, stocking you know groceries and stuff. And there was a manager there, and uh, you know he was younger. And I'm looking for career advice, and I said, "Hey, uh, you know, how how long have you been here?" And he said, "Oh, I you know I've been here you know 12 years." I'm like, "Oh man, oh wow, you you must love it." He goes, "Oh, I hate it." I'm like, I hate it. And he's like, oh, man, I hate it. I'm like, you hate it. Well, why why do you stay? And he said, well, you know, at this point, I really can't go anywhere else and make the same amount of money. So I'll just stick it out here. I'm like, wow. So that stuck with me my entire life. So I had reached that point in corporate America where I didn't like it. And that story, that story just kind of urged me. I'm like, you know what, I got to move on. So I jumped into real estate. Had some some buddies that were doing really well, and I'm like, those knuckleheads can do it. I can too, <laughs> and, and so and I did. I did for a few years. Um, you know, 2000, you know, four, five, six, seven, pretty good. 2008, screaming plane <laughs> careening off a mountain, and um, you know, I get wiped out. I mean, like totally. And so, you know, I got divorced. I, during a period of a couple years there, I I was engaged, disengaged, um, drinking heavily and, uh, just felt like a loser. I literally, I literally didn't want to look in the mirror. Like I, I would try to, I would try to like avoid the mirror because I was, I just felt like an embarrassment. I felt like a loser. I felt like, you know, that I, I felt like I was fake because I'd had success before. And, you know, was, was that fake too? And, um, and so I really didn't know what I was going to do. And I don't always, you know, share this part, but I just I know your heart. And I, and I feel like, you know, whoever follows you probably wants, you know, the full story. And so I had someone I didn't know, invite me to a seminar, and the seminar was called the landmark form. I don't know if you've heard of it or whatever. And so I had kind of heard of it didn't really know what was going on. And, and so, you know, I got invited to this thing. And and I go there with, hey, maybe this will help me make some money, because that's that's what Ray needs. Ray needs some, Ray needs some money, because all my bills are late. I'm I'm now in foreclosure. I'm I've sold you know, my high school ring. I've, I've I've sold my couch. Like like I'm I'm not in a great place, and I'm maxing out credit cards on alcohol, to be honest. And so I go to the seminar, and first it was very challenging. You know, I'm I'm used to being Mr. Important and, and <laughs> in my own way back then. And so I go in there and it's very challenging. And I realized something on day one. And on day one, I had repair relationship with dad on a to-do list with no priority. What happens with to-do lists with no priority is you, you lose the chance, right? And so day two of that seminar, I, I reach out to him. I hadn't talked to him in 13 years and, you know, and I had every reason not to, you know, I could share all kinds of stories of abuse and, you know, whatever, but, um, you know, I'd have a reason not to, I could convince anybody that I could, I would be justified. And, but I just, I didn't, I think the question to ask here is if he died, would I've been okay with that? And the answer was no, you know, I had two at that point, I had two sons, uh, nine, probably nine and 10 years old, something like that. And uh, he had never met him, never seen a picture of him, nothing. And so in July of 2009, I go up there, uh, up to Indiana, which is where I'm from. And, uh, you know, we, we create a relationship, still not perfect, but it's something. And we create a relationship and I come back home. And within one week, I was introduced to a company. It happened to be a network marketing company. And in that company, I went on to become the number one income earner of, of that company, made millions with that company. Um, and what, what, I, what has been the most beneficial to me uh, of this entire thing is the very first time I shared that story, it was in 2010. And I'd been invited to go to Myrtle Beach to do a presentation for some of my team up there. And so I go up there and it was the first time it's since happened. It since happens all the time, but it was the first time that I got this poll to like share dad's story. Like I, I just, I wasn't tuned in, you know, even, even back then, I'm kind of surprised I got that poll, but um, you know, so I, I, for the first time I do the presentation and then the, the training, I, I tell that exact story and I finish the guy, Kenneth who invited me up there is walking down the aisle Tears running down his face. And he said, I can't believe you just shared that story. I haven't talked to my dad in 17 years. Tomorrow, I fly out for his funeral. And I was like, oh, man. And so, my, my first reaction, especially back then, was beat myself up. I could, what if I had just shared this a week ago? You know, he maybe would have reached out. And then the second kind of wave was, I need to be more vulnerable because at that point i had spent my entire life so insecure, so low self-worth that i that i i tried to prop myself up with look look i'm winning over here. <laughs> look look i'm 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 worth something uh, and i'd spent so much time puffing up my chest when when behind it was just a scared little boy that had been abused, that didn't trust anybody, that was so terrified of being betrayed, that thought so little of himself. And so that was a very pivotal moment for me. And, and I started, you know, hacking away at vulnerability, you know, really ever since then. And, and so, but that was uh, that feeling that I got after that realization of, man, I can help people. Like that, that, that was more tangible than teaching people sales or teaching people, you know, how to recruit or, or whatever. It was, it, was just, it was just more meaningful and and so like since then that's I've really made that part of our our mission here.
0: And that's what I one of the things I love so much about you and everyone if you follow Ray, you have some of the most amazing posts. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a lot of this kind of stuff and I think that the greatest strength in the world is vulnerability okay. because we need each other. We need to hear those stories so that we don't feel Alone in our pain. We don't feel like we have to keep holding it all inside and, you know, thus being held back in our lives. So, Ray, I mean, it's so hard for people, and we share this, we both share these stories of forgiving our fathers, which really connected us immediately. But what did it take? Like, what was it at that seminar that struck you to say, I have to call my father? And what did it take for you to not only make that decision but to take action immediately like you did?
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, that that seminar was it was like um it was like a mind sweeper, right? And and so like it, it detected the thing that I was most holding resentment, anger, um, just just negativity. It was like it was like this thing was like wanting to pop out, and and that was it was an area of my life that I was so uh, out of congruence with. So, you know, like we we wrote a book, um, time, money, freedom, and one of, one of the probably the most talked about topic in there is called pluck your weeds. And pluck your weeds doesn't necessarily mean get rid of the negative people in your life, although it could, right? Um, It means look at every area of your life and find out which areas of your life are incongruent with who you want to be. And so this was a massive area. You know, my sons had never met their grandfather. Um, I had not been man enough, to be honest, man enough to have a conversation with him for 13 years. And, and so there, there, there were multiple things there that were just like pressure points. And, you know, I think, um, most people, when it comes to, you know, negative, you know, negative thoughts or, uh, resentment or something, they, you know, they suppress it. And that's, that is what causes disease. And instead of, you know, suppression, exp- expression would be way better. And so I think that, you know, at that time in my life, that was the thing that was. I didn't know how to fix my money situation. I didn't, I didn't get any solutions there. I didn't know how to fix my relationship situation. I got that later, but this was something I could do. And I didn't know what was behind it. I didn't think anything was behind it. I thought just I would feel better that I stepped up to the plate and did this hard thing. And, you know, and it's, you know, I, I didn't want to, um, but I felt like, I really needed to, when I came back from, from Indiana, it was like, I had let go of some baggage, you know, and I, I saw things differently and, and I, and I really believe that I believe that had I not let go of that baggage, I don't know what I would have ended up doing. I don't think I'd be here. I don't, I don't, I don't know where I would be. And so it was just, I think that was where I was just feeling that pressure that this is something I can do something about. I think one important thing, you know, because I've shared this story you know, quite a few times now. And um, I have, I mean, I have letter after letter after letter. I've emailed to email. I've, I've had so many messages of people reconnecting with, you know, brother, sister, mother, father, son, daughter. Three times I had people uh, message me and say, Hey, I want you to know, I heard your story. I reconnected. All three were dads. I reconnected with my dad. And shortly thereafter, he passed away. So, like they they had to hear my story in a very specific time frame to go in and do something about it. But one thing to hold on to is you may not get a good, good response. I was addicted to my action. I was not addicted to his reaction. So if he would have shot me down, um I I, I really believe that I would have been okay because I made the step. What I was not okay with was me not making the step. Yes. And so I think that's important to tell people because sometimes people hear this story and so they go reach out and then they get rejected and like, well, that didn't work out. Well, you, you had the courage to do it. So I, it, it did, you tapped into an area, you were, you know, defiant to, uh, you know, something in your life you didn't want to do, but knew would be good for you. And you did it. That's to be celebrated.
0: Absolutely. And I, what I hear and what I felt is holding on to that anger and resentment it creates like almost a block that's blocking the path forward whether that's blame or or anger or you don't have the confidence to do things because they rejected us or abandoned us but Mm -hmm. in doing in you showing up there to indiana whether he responded in the way you hope for or not you got to remove that block. And I think we've spoken about, Ray, when I got sick, one of the first, no one told me to do this, but I had this gut instinct that I need to go and pluck my weeds, yeah. like, you, like you call it. And I needed to go and think about you know, the people that I still held resentment over or anger with. And whether they knew it or not, I was releasing that. And I was forgiving them and I was forgiving myself for the things that, you know, I felt ashamed of or bad about. And to me, the vision I had in my mind is that I was sweeping out my soul to make room for the healing to come through me. Nice. Which I truly believe it did. And for you, what I feel is here, you're stuck. You don't know how to make money. You don't know how to fix your relationship. But there was something inside of you that knew that this was an action that had to take place in order to get to a place where you could figure that out. Yeah. Um and and I love, I mean again, I think the strength in that, the bravery in that, the courage in that. And yeah, it was probably uncomfortable and scary and it is. But once it's done, like rather than living a lifetime of holding on to this pain and anger and then you know, eventually losing that person. Right. And I love how you said I wasn't OK if, if he were to pass the next day and I hadn't done this, I wouldn't be OK with that. And I think we yeah, all need to remember that part, too, that this is mostly for you, yeah. um, not only to clear your path, but to clear your conscience and to, for you to know you did the right thing.
1: Right. So
0: how did this free you, Ray? Like like in doing that, what happened next?
1: yeah, I was like on I, I well, i was I was on fire, but i but I still had some demons. and and so um and there were still things to work out that came out much, much later. Um, so I went to work, and in within five months of me coming back, I was um, at ten thousand a month, uh, seven months, forty thousand a month, ten months, fifty thousand a month became the number one earner of that company, um, started, you know, sharing the stage with all kinds of, of, you know, crazy people that I'd never thought possible. Uh, and fast forward to, uh, I think it was uh, 20, maybe 14 or 2014 or 15. It was my first time seeing uh, Tony Robbins live. And, and so, you know, and it's funny, because looking back, then I was like, ah, Tony. Everyone talks about Tony. You know, I had this preconceived, egotistical, narrow-minded view of someone I'd never seen live. You know what I mean? And I, and I see him, I'm like, holy crap, he's amazing. Amazing. But I, but he helped me realize something major. I had, I had been going from goal goal to goal, 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 not feeling any joy, not feeling any fulfillment. It was just next goal, next goal, next goal, next goal. And I remember, um, I remember it, what it what it reminded me years later. I, I saw this and I thought of that. I'm like, yeah, that's that makes sense. I remember seeing um, Kobe Bryant. You know, rest rest in peace, right? Um, but I remember him when one of the times they won the national championship, and everyone's on, you know, like ticker tape and you know kissing the trophy and everything. Everyone's going nuts on the court. And the reporter comes up to Kobe and he's like, hey, you must be feeling pretty great. He goes, I'm just ready for next season. It's like, wow, <laughs> you know, like a little bit of celebration, just a, just a minute, you know, and, and that, that was me. I remember, you know, my first million dollar year, my first million dollar month, my first million dollar weekend. And looking back, I was a workaholic, first of all. And, and I now understand why and what I was attempting to do, what that was not working. So I was attempting to fill my self-worth issues with rewards and accolades and money and recognition and, you know, all of that stuff. And they're, they're just not congruent. They're not, they're not compatible currencies, right? So I don't go, you know, if you go to, I'm going to the Bahamas, uh, you know, Thursday to hang out with some people and, um, you know, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't take a stapler to exchange for bohemian dollars, right? That's, but that's about the same thing. Okay. Rewards and accolades, self-worth, at least for me, and I've found for, you know, anyone that I've talked to as well, they they don't equate to each other. And so I was a workaholic to prevent myself from being with myself and, and to prevent myself from having personal relationships, because if it was all work, then, you know, I can understand, provide value, make money, provide value, solve problems, make money. What I did not understand, and I didn't know why was how to be a good friend, how to have just a nice relationship with somebody. And, and there was a, there's a couple of reasons, you know, for that. Um, but Tony, Tony helped me realize that and helped me. I mean, and I was just, a, you know, I'm just in the audience and, it, and, and he was just a speaker. I mean, he, he wasn't it wasn't one of his events. He was just a speaker there. And and so I go on another journey and and we were at my wife and I, we were at a, uh, a charity event, uh, not, you know, maybe maybe three years ago and we're at this charity event and they say, uh, hey, did you see the Belize trip? And I'm like, you know, no. And they're like, well, it's, you know, it's five days, you know, all inclusive for couples only private island, private jet, private chef, private yacht, private this, private that. And, and my wife is like, Ooh, like she's, you know, fired up. She's social butterfly. Like this is speaking her language. Like this is awesome. And me, I'm like, "Ah." to me, that sounds like hell on earth. And I don't know why. And as I'm leaving, I'm like, what's, what's wrong with me? Like, I want to be the greatest husband of all time. I want to be the greatest dad of all time. I want to be the greatest. I want to be congruent in all areas of striving for excellence, feeling good about all areas of my life, not just, you know, wealth or not just this or that. Um, and so I went on a dive and I'm like, why, why am I like that? Why is it that I would keynote at a convention, 20,000 people get standing ovation? Yeah, everyone know oh, that's amazing. Tears, right? And I would want to rush back to my hotel room and just stay there, by myself, right? And why is that? Well, uh, it took, you know, it took some outside perspective, but um, a hypnotist friend of mine, a performance coach of mine, Elliot Rowe, he um, uh, he helped me dig that out. He helped me figure that out. Um, you know, our programs; these are these are determinations we made as younger uh, as younger people. These programs get created that dictate our life. And we don't know that we're on, we're most people are on autopilot. They're just, they're making choices based on the program, not what they actually want. And my, one of my programs was around betrayal and my memory had blocked this so that I couldn't, that I didn't figure it out. And I only through hypnosis was I able to, to figure it out. And so when I was in third grade, my teacher knew that something was off, something wasn't right. And so she had me start meeting with the guidance counselor. And I don't, I don't know what that means, you know? And so I'm like, okay, I get out of class. Great. And so, you know, I start meeting with this guidance counselor and she's asking me all these questions. And, you know, it was kind of nice because I never got to talk to anybody, you know, like I wasn't allowed, I couldn't go over to anybody's house. No one could come over to my house. I had to stay outside by myself till the sun went down. Then go to my room and, this, you know, till I was told to go to bed. And so I just, I just didn't talk to people. So this was nice. Someone, you know, one-on-one person talking to me and um, and so i I share. I share all the different things that were going on. Um, just for you know, uh, context, I guess. Um, you know, one day, I was sick, and um I threw up in my oatmeal, and when I refused to eat it, um, my stepmom stabbed me in the chest. And God. You know, that's what? one of those instances when you realize. Man, stuff ain't right around here. <laughs> and um, you know, and that's one of you know, a million, you know, instances. And so I'm I'm sharing, I shared all this stuff with a guidance counselor. And then one day I walk in and it's her and it's my stepmom and it's my dad. And she proceeds to tell him every story I ever told her because she thought they were too outrageous. And she thought that I was, I was, I really needed more attention at home. And that was. That was a bad day. That was a very bad day. That that you know that day is why I I have not I haven't tried it in the last couple of years. I think I could now, but a few years ago I couldn't finish the book Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins yes. because the way he's describing it, it's like I it was just I was yeah. just I would just stop. I was listening to it. I'm just crying. I'm like I gotta stop this. And um, but that's the day that uh, I decided um, that everyone was going to betray me. And so that's the day that I created social anxiety, that I kept everyone at bay and I don't let anybody in. And, um, and it was only two years ago that I figured that out. And I've been able with, with awareness, because I was on autopilot, I didn't know why. Okay, with awareness, you can be defiant. You can be defiant to the program. And so my, my relationships with my kids, with my wife, with my friends, with even, you know, business people is, is night and day different. And it's interesting, you know, the first time I shared that, that story, I was speaking on stage at um, an event in new Orleans. And I shared that, like, you know, I realized that I've kept people at bay because I, you know, there's a part of me that got betrayed and doesn't want to feel that way anymore. And I had a client come up to me who I really liked and said, Man, that really makes sense. Uh, yeah, I just thought you didn't like me, and he just kind of said it flippantly, and but it hit me in my heart like hard because I thought, how many decades have I had people think that I'm just a jerk, that I'm just an egomaniac, that I just don't care about anything, and in reality, that was just me, my program, not me, my program trying to keep me nice and safe, yeah. and so. Um, wow i really don't think i would have figured that out without seeing tony at at that event and so i'm very very grateful for him
0: that's unbelievable and this is so powerful because i'm sure people are listening and they you know have some first of all it's one of the worst things i've ever heard but you can see how that became your software and this is the thing that you understood where you figured out that this isn't your hardware. Like you don't have to live this way for the rest of your life. It's software that just needs to be updated. Right, But well said. I mean, first of all, I hope that you've forgiven yourself because you did the best that you could with the tools that you had, with what you understood at the time. Like I would have done the same thing, but how brave of you, because I think a lot of people can even when they get the awareness which is the key i mean once you have the awareness that this is just a program that i've used to protect myself once you have that awareness you then can make the decision to change to think differently yeah. um but that's scary because yeah. even though this is painful you know you're used to it it's kind of like your comfort zone you're used to behaving comfortable
1: misery yeah
0: yeah so how <laughs> did you what did it take For you i mean obviously moments like with your client coming up and saying Mm -hmm. i just thought you didn't like me and it's kind of like my god that's just totally not the case right was it more and more moments like that or did you was it like with tony those of of you that know how tony works like you can change things like that you make the decision and you have to Kind of role play that new story that you want to live instead of the old one, and that's uncomfortable. But it can happen pretty quickly. Was this? Did this happen quickly for you? Was it a commitment that you were aware of in every single moment, or was it you were woken up by that client and you said, "That's it, I'm not doing that anymore"?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, such a great question. Um, no, no one's asked me that. The My coach, right? One, one. I have many coaches, but my my coach uh, at the time really helped me with that because he he asked the question. He says, "Do you do you know that you're here for good? Like you're here for a good good purposes?" And I'm like, "Absolutely! I know I'm here to impact the world. I'm here to help heal. I'm here to you know to share my story to uplift others." And, you know, my, my you know, I've shared this with you before, but my two mantras are help the person you used to be, which I used to be a lot of people, <laughs> uh, you know, abused, uh, hooked on drugs, um, riffraff, you know, party animal, workaholic, you know, uh, abs, you know, not absence a strong word, but not present father. I, I'll, I'll tag that on because it's because it's true. And I've been through foreclosure. So there's a lot of people I used to be. Help the person you used to be is mantra number one. And we have to be as brave as the people who need us. So those are my two mantras. So I know I'm up to good. And so he asked me, he said, do you know that you're up to good? You're up to good you know, purpose and reasons. And I said, yes. And he said, okay, well, just understand that you may still get betrayed, but that'll be their loss. I'm like, yeah, I yeah, I can buy into that and so from from that day forward i um you know I, I didn't try to escape out of things you know i would get invited like you know hey me and me and the boys are going to go do this i'd be like ah you know i, I you know. i've been saying yes to a lot more things i've been showing up to a lot more things i've been trying new things i've been you know i'm not the one trying to convince my wife not to go to that party i'm going with her i'm like come on babe let's go and and so i think that you know that really Impacted me. Um, there was uh, another. There's one more uh, core program, and I, I would say this is my core program. I thought that was the core. This is is the actual core. There's one more core program since we're on this you know topic, um, and that was created when I was a little kid, and it was because people knew that I was you know. In my dad's house, and I and I was being abused, but no one did anything about it. And so I created a program that says I'm not a priority. Mm. So my entire life up until a year ago. Okay, I'm not talking about 10 years. I'm a year ago, every relationship in my life, I sought to verify that I wasn't the priority. And that includes my wife. Yeah. And so you asked how how I handled with that one. I was equipped. I had some help. I was equipped with a, a good statement of it'd be their loss. And that that made sense to me. This one was actually tougher because we were, I remember we were in a, an argument, and um, and my mind goes, You're see, you're not a priority, but it's okay. It's still a good relationship. And I thought, no, I don't want to think this way anymore. And this was something I'd never experienced before. And so I've since researched and I'll, I'll call it a dark night of the soul. So the dark night of the soul, the best way I've heard it described is by Michael Beckwith. And he says, a dark night of the soul is when you realize that you no longer want to be this person, but who you actually want to be isn't here yet. Yes. And so your mind scrambles because you're trying to cross this stream to an unknown territory, which is very dangerous and very scary but you don't know what that looks like. And so as soon as I made that declaration in my mind, no, I don't want to think this way. My mind is flashing lights and all with negative thoughts. And, and I'm just, I would close my eyes and I would just, I would just these blinding lights with negativity, negative images in them. Just, I felt attacked and, and I tried to sleep, couldn't sleep. I tried to meditate, couldn't meditate. And I wrestled with this demon all night, you know, all night, all morning, and in the morning, I just like surrendered. And I told my wife, I'm like, listen, this is this is my job. This is not your job to figure out this is my job. But I'm at least going to tell you what's going on. And and she is so wise and so brilliant and so amazing. She said, just look at all the proof that you are my priority. And it yes. was the, it was the perfect thing, you know, for her to say. And, uh, you know, I just looked at all the proof. I mean, we've been, you know, at that point we had been married for nine years now we're, you know, 10 years. And, um, and she was with me. I mean, she was with me when I was in, you know, she, we started dating. She was paying my utility bills because I was in foreclosure. Wow. So, you know, like she's been with me through thick and thin. She's seen every personality good and bad of, of me, every side of me, good and bad, and um, and so that was the latest program that um, I stopped. I, I no longer seek how I'm not a priority, and I'll catch it every once in a while. It'll it'll try to find. I'm like, yeah. thank you. I know you're trying to keep me safe, but it's okay. I got wow. this.
0: So I shared that program with you up until Is that right. Absolutely, up until maybe three years ago. Wow. And what i love what i want to reiterate for everyone listening is it's one of those it's a story right we tell ourselves i'm not a priority and we live that story and because we believe that we will look for it and we'll find evidence for it in everything but the same thing when you change that story to i am a priority i know how loved i am i know how valued i am and yes at first the blinking lights and it's like, well, that's not true. You know, this you've got this proof and this proof and this proof, all the wrong proof. Right. But it's the commitment and I love you declared it to your wife, which is key. Like keeping it inside, you may, you may not take action but you declared it to the person you love the most in your life. And in doing that, you become accountable. And then it's a matter of like role playing that news story and stacking your proof of, how you, yes, you, can, you know you're the priority. There's this proof and that proof and that proof. And asking yourself before you respond, you know, when you're tempted to respond in the old way, saying, well, yes. what would the future me do? Because it's not that it's not you, this new story. It's the future you. You're working mm-hmm. towards becoming that. And asking yourself, you know, what, what would the future me think in this moment? Well, I would think about all the times my wife has shown me how much I matter to her. Yep. And so this is like so incredibly powerful, Ray. And I wanna go from, because I'm loving this, I could talk for like five hours, but I wanna know with how amazing you are, not just as a, a writer or a speaker, but let's talk about your coaching how much you know i've had people come to me they want to be a world champion in triathlon and i'll tell them well there's so much more to it than just training you to swim and to bike and, the, and to run yeah. it's a lot of we're inside work and they're kind of like no 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 like i don't know i'm just here i want to be good at the sport and they don't get it but how much of this stuff do you put into your coaching and how important is that in getting the success that these people are seeing from their work together with you.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it would, it would just be, it'd be gross negligence to know this stuff and not help every person you can with it. And, you know, I mean, and I, I wasn't always this way. I was tactic guy, you know, here's a sales script, here's a this, and, and, and I help people. I think one, one of the big big things you know for me so I've always because of that coping mechanism of being a workaholic right um I've always been very consistent you know so like you know I I decided you know July 15 2009 to do a video day and I did that for 12 years without missing a day lunatic right I'm crazy and and so and and I'm sure you can get that with you know athletics and stuff and so um there's, there's been multiple phases of my training. So if you caught a training 10 years ago, I would teach you, here's my daily routine. Here's what I do. And so I would teach it and everyone'd be like, Oh yeah. Ooh, yeah. No one would do it. <laughs> and I'm like, Hey, are any of you doing this? Nah, man, it was a good idea though. Thank you. Thank you for teaching it. I'm like, okay, there's gotta be, there's gotta be a different way. And so then I'm like, okay, maybe it's because I have a vision for who I want to be. So I started teaching vision, like you got to have a vision of who you want to be. You know, um, another thing from Michael Beckwith, uh, pain pushes you until a vision pulls you. Right. And so I got to have a vision. So I taught vision and, uh, and I'm looking at the, you know, the results and you know, maybe five to six percent of people are doing it now. Right. So that helped. That was a big from zero to five percent, Pretty good. And um, but then I had another realization. There's there's those of us who are consistent. Workaholics, hustlers, grinders that really struggle with joy and fulfillment. Yes. And you know, Tony's famous line, you know, success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. Yeah. That's where I was. That's where a lot of people I see are. They're at they're, you know, they got the Bugatti and they got the this and then that. And and but inside they're they're not happy. And I've coached, you know, a lot of people that make millions and millions and millions of dollars a month. And but they really struggle with being a dad. Or they really struggled with you know, being a, a husband or struggle with being a wife. And so there's that, which is a small percentage of the population, but you know, they just need to think, okay, joint fulfillment isn't found here. Where can I find it? And that's by you know, looking inside. Yeah. The 95% of people that aren't consistent, it's because they've drawn the wrong conclusion to success based on an observation they made in the past. And so I'll give you, um, I'll give you, uh, I I got quite a few examples, but I'll give you a a couple. So when um, this lady, um, she won a a coaching call with me, We, we used to put these golden tickets in our books and she got a golden ticket and it was a 10 minute call with me. And so we get on the phone and she said, you know, for the last, you know, four or five years, I've been, I've been stuck at this level in my business. Right. And it's, it's not a very high level either. And so I'm like, you know, okay. And, um, <clears throat> and I started, you know, asking her questions like, what was your relationship with your parents? Like, how'd that go? And she said, or uh, well, she, she said, I just don't want to disappoint people. And she's very talented. Right. Uh, she said, I just don't want to disappoint people. And I, and I asked her, who disappointed you and, and as a kid? And she said, well, maybe not disappointment, but shame. I'm like, okay. And she said, well, my mom was a prostitute. I'm like, okay. And, um, and I asked her, I said, do, do other people know this? Like do maybe locals and you know, that kind of stuff. And you go, oh yeah, they all know. And then she added, interestingly enough, she said, and she's still alive. And I'm like, I know what your problem is. And she's like, what's my problem? I'm like, well, you know that you have so much potential and you're worried that if you tap into that potential." That the locals are going to try to bring you down to size by shaming you and your mom, which would affect your mom, and you'd do anything in the world to prevent that. Wow. And she's like, "Oh my god, I've never thought about that." And I said, "But there's another way to look at it. Your mom did everything she could to give you a better life, and it's kind of a slap in the face that that's the reason you're not." Wow. It's a ten-minute call. Oh my god! <laughs> Boom. And- In three months, she went, she was, uh, she's in a network marketing company. She went from 4,000 in volume to 98,000 in volume.
0: Oh my God. And
1: because she had a conversation with her mom and she said, mom, you know, my uh, coach helped me realize this. And, And her mom was like, I don't care. Crush it. I want you to live the best life ever. That's why I went through this crap. And so she's been killing it ever since. And so when you, when someone isn't consistent There'll be camouflage, overthinking, perfectionism, procrastination, um, confusion, right? There'll be all these things, but all of those are camouflages to keep you nice and safe. Uh, A common one is if you saw your parents make a lot of money, then lose it. Well, you may have created a very likely created a program that, well, I never want to be ridiculed like they were. I never went, I don't want to go from filet to ramen. So let me stick with hamburger, right? So if you're afraid of falling off the mountain, you'll never climb it. So you'll just prevent yourself from becoming successful and reaching your potential. Yeah. And so it's all these, these little crazy things that, you know, that, that happened. And we made a meaning out of them. You know, we saw something and we created a meaning out of it. And that meaning got stored back here. And we first, we've since forgotten about it, but it's, it's the driver. It's the driver of our life. We're just the autopilot, just checking out the scenery until you can look and say, wait a minute, you've been driving me this whole time. Like I'm not a priority. Like you need to get out of here. You know, you you need to grab the wheel. But you got it. You have to first become aware of what program is driving me. And one of the things that will help you is your patterns. And so what what are the patterns that you have in your life when things start going really, really well? Is that when you fall to pieces? Well, then. Who did you see, you know, reach a certain level and fall off? Or who did you, who surprised you maybe? Who, who disappointed you as a kid when you were feeling so good about it? Because there, there is a program there if that's, if that's a, Absolutely. a pattern.
0: Wow. I mean, so powerful. This is why everyone needs a coach, really, yeah. to, to, you know, help guide you to these yes. blind spots that we're unaware of. Yeah. So when we talk about meaning and stuff, I mean, a lot of people like, what is the meaning you give network marketing? Like,
1: yeah, what's the
0: opportunity in that?
1: Yeah. So first, I'm very grateful for it. Because when I when I lost everything, I mean, I I was I sold furniture to try to keep my bills going. And that didn't work out. I mean, I just got I just got wiped out. Um, My credit was shot. I couldn't get a loan to save my life, and I had like two credit cards left that didn't understand I wasn't paying them, and um, no one was hiring because I mean here, and I'm sure in other areas too, but here in Florida, you know, like so much was reliant on real estate, especially back then. I mean, the guy behind the you know 7-Eleven counter flipped his second condo. Like literally, everyone was flipping real estate, and you know it was just craziness around here. And so when that came to a halt and, and crashed everyone was affected. So no one's hiring. I'm out of money. My credit shot. I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and so I, and, and I'd had bad experiences in network marketing, but it really was, it was like the only option that I could figure out. And it has an unlimited, I mean, to a degree um, it has an almost unlimited amount of possible income. I mean, I have one, one client, she brings home a million dollars a month. And, wow. you know, so that's, That's possible, you know, Um, but here's, here's kind of my, you know, my review of network marketing as a whole is it's the lowest risk, lowest overhead way for the average ordinary person to start a business. Doesn't mean it's the best way. Doesn't mean it's the perfect way. Doesn't mean that I think it's superior to all other ways. doesn't mean any of that. It just means that it's, it's a great way for the average ordinary person to start a business. Most people that come into network marketing would never have been entrepreneurs they would have never started a, a restaurant. They would have never started a YouTube channel. They would have never started a podcast, but their friend tells them about a product and they find out that product, they like the product, they tell people about it. And so it's, it's something that it gets a bad name because there's zero um, required training to enter it, unlike a franchise, right? You know, I had an advertising franchise, it was $40,000. And for $40,000, they gave me a book this big, that on every page is like, you'll never make it. This probably isn't going to work statistic, right? They're just covering their, their butts legally. Right. And so 40,000, I got a, a franchise book like this and 10 empty plastic ad frames. Right. So no, no creative. That was extra. <laughs> that was $40,000. And so um, that's something most people wouldn't ever do, <laughs> but for someone to start a business for a couple hundred bucks that they can run from home part time and, and and have success with it without a business degree or understanding Shark Tank, that's pretty cool okay. because that's unlike almost every other type of business.
0: Amazing. And look what it's done in your life. Yeah. So I love that basically anyone can decide to do this. And if you are excited about it and it matters to you, you can create I mean, a million dollars a month. Are you kidding me? That's pretty good. Ridiculous. (laughs) And through what I love about what you do is it's so much more than network marketing. Like you are touching lives. You are helping people Mm -hmm. live better lives and achieve their dreams. And with that being said, like when you think about the next 50, 60 years, What is, do you have any dreams, like big dreams of what you want to achieve or accomplish or experience? And what is that?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's really tapping into, um, you know, as much human potential as I possibly can and, and pushing myself. Um, you know, I started, uh, meditating daily about uh, a little bit over a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago now, and so you know, any given day I'm meditating between one to three hours a day, um, and and constantly having you know coming out of meditation with ideas and 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 also chipping away pieces of myself, right? Chipping away and shedding pieces of of myself that are holding back the impact that I'm you know that I'm capable of, and so I just see. Um you know, helping lead a charge of of there being more acceptance in the world, of there being more, um, you know feeling good about who you are, um, about people really understanding how they co-create their life, you know, um, like today I posted on Facebook, um, you know, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer because both groups are verifying what they already believe. And so there it's it's to stop looking so, you know, collectively at, at help from systems and rulers and, and everything else and, and being more individuals of, hey, let's let's tap into what we what we have to offer, what we can do, our beliefs, and let's go shape a, a new reality. So what that exactly looks like, I'm not sure. I imagine traveling the world, I imagine um, helping, you know, people learn, uh, you know, certain types of curriculum so they can lead their villages or lead their churches or lead their, whatever that looks like. Um, so I don't, I don't know the exact how, but, um, I know that I'm going to keep going, um, while there's blood pumping through the veins.
0: Well, you're doing that every single day. And I love that you share your process because there's no one on the planet, that isn't working through their stuff and yeah. wanting to figure out why they do the things that they do. And all of us sharing that process is what helps others decide, hey, I can change that too.
1: Amen. So
0: I love what you're doing. Ray, how can people contact you, connect with you, be coached by you, hire you to speak? What's the best way to to reach you?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, we're, we're on all all the social media you know channels and we we do a lot of we post a lot of stuff. <laughs> I post goofy skits, I <laughs> post all kinds of stuff. Um, and so um yeah, you know probably, you know Instagram's fine, Ray Higdon. And um in one cl- one clarification, you know I'm I'm no longer in just to be clear. I'm no longer in a network marketing company. In 2016 right. we did sell our position to focus on on coaching and training. Um, huge ambassador for it, huge lover of it, um, but I'm not, you know, I just didn't want people to say, hey, I want to sign up on your team and I, I you know. Um, and I'm but, sorry
0: I didn't clarify oh, that. No, 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 no I no. love how it changed your- life. Yes, yes. And so, I mean, for me, I feel like that was the bridge that yeah. took you from a real rough place to, where you are now which is truly helping people tap into their potential so thank you for that and i think you know especially in a time like you you coach the people that you used to be like
1: you know if you
0: are struggling if you are out of work if you are kind of not realizing what you want in life or what you want to do like there are like just find a way. You found a way. And um, that's what's so inspiring to me. So right now, the the stuff that you're doing, and I know you're doing so much, Ray, I'd le- also love for you to talk about your book, yeah. uh, which I think is incredible. Um, if you could mm-hmm. share that with the listeners as well.
1: Yeah. Um, so our, our latest book is Time, Money, Freedom, and that's put out by Hay House. And it's uh, 10 Simple Rules to Redefine What's Possible and Radically Reshape Your Life. And that's uh, both my wife and I. Um, this is really for the person that wants to improve their finances and relationships. And, you know, chapter two is the pluck your weeds one. That's, you know, the, the two we get the most feedback on is uh, pluck your weeds and make an impact, chapter 10. So two and 10 are the ones we get the most feedback on. Um, you can check out, uh, we have uh, amazing reviews from Jack Canfield, from Mark Victor Hansen, from John Assaraf. Uh, and and more. Um, And you you can get a uh, sample chapter like on video at tmfbook.com. So that's tmf for time, money, freedom, tmfbook.com.
0: Awesome. Ray, thank you so much. This was one of my favorite conversations I've ever had with another human being. And I know everybody's gonna love it. So thank you, Ray. I so look forward to doing some more stuff together in the future. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on the Bedhead Chronicles. I hope you love this as much as we did. Thank you for listening and sharing this precious time with me. Please remember to subscribe and to leave me a review. You can find me on Instagram at Siri Lindley, Facebook, Siri Lindley, and Twitter at Seltz. S-E-L-T-S. You can also reach me via email at info at Have an amazing day and shine on.